0: all right, you guys, I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I do this boundary series. I do boundaries every other year. I do the series every other year because this wrecks people's lives more than anything. If your relationships with God or a man or your family or whatever, if they are broken, it consumes you and there's nothing left for your purpose and your calling. And and this is so, and I lived this for a really long time. And the Lord has re- revealed and refined and taught and revealed and refined. And uh, so I don't know how many parts this is going to be because it's completely different every time. This one that I'm giving today, I've never talked on before. It's completely different. So I don't know, maybe four or five parts. I'm not going to rush this. This is very fundamental and probably fundamental in ways you've never thought of. So um, I'm really excited to do this, and um, I'm really excited for this new Bible study year. We've seen the power of God. We've been in his presence together, and um, it's just amazing to see how people's lives change. You know, we had, what, 65 people, 60, 70 people here to be baptized at the end of the thing. How beautiful was that? Those of you who got to be here baptized in the pool, it was amazing amazing. So we just praise God for what he's done and what he will do. We get to do another year together. So let me just open in prayer. <clears throat> Almighty God, we just come into your presence. I just thank you that we say the name Jesus. And we're in your presence. The power of God. The light of God. The love of God. The purposes of God. Lord, sometimes we come so weary. Father, sometimes we come broken. Sometimes we come joyful. Sometimes we come exuberant for the miracles you have done. And sometimes we come disappointed for the things we hope for that you have not yet done, Lord God. But whatever state we come in, we come into your presence together today. Lord, we're here to honor you, God. We're here to know you. We're here to walk in your ways, God. Lord Jesus, we are here for the power of the Almighty that is promised to his children. And we thank you, God, for truth and wisdom and power. Lord, we dedicate this season to your purposes, God. Jesus, come among us, Jesus. Be alive among us. Holy Spirit, move among us. We don't want to leave today as we came in. and By the end of this season, we don't want to leave as we started. God, you are a God who takes people from higher to higher. You take us higher. Your purposes are above and beyond all we could ask, think, or imagine. We are here to know you, God. Thank you that you know us and you want to be known by us. We were worshiping before everyone came and we worshiped to a song that just said, you know my name. You know our names. You know the hairs on our head. You know every detail about us, things we don't even know about ourselves. And you have drawn us here today. And we give you this time. To walk humbly with our God and be empowered by the truth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All right, boundaries. Boundaries. Ooh, we love that word. We love that word and we hardly ever know how to do it, right? When we think of boundaries, we think of boundaries as a way to create something healthy, create something loving, right? We, The purpose of boundaries is to promote love. Um, I think we all know that, to make a healthy situation for ourselves and others. I am, uh, today I'm going to focus, um, we're going to talk about others. We're going to go into detail with others, whether it is um, family or work or friends or husbands or I'll do a topic on probably each. But I want to talk about God's love because God's love is perfect. We know it's perfect. And if you have truly had an encounter with love, God's love, if you truly understand how much he loves you, it changes everything. I mean, when you, you know, when you get married, when you find that special person, whatever, it changes everything. And God times a million, right? This love is so perfect and so everything we can we can look at everything that he does in scripture and we know we can model it that's how we find health he's the creator that's how love is created you know when 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 nobody else sees us he sees us when no one else knows us, he loves us you know we are never ever alone when we are when we are shipwrecked or we have shipwrecked ourselves or or when someone has shipwrecked us, he loves us. He steps in. Many of us are alive today because he intervened. His love showed up, maybe when no one else didn't. His love is perfect. And the foundation of a boundary is understanding the perfection of God's love because when we really understand it, we can examine the scriptures and say, how does he do it? Because that's how we're going to do it. This is the model, right? So, Let's look at, he has a lot to say. Let's see if I do this right. Ah, good. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Love comes from God. I mean, just, you know, love is mentioned. How many? I should have counted. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. The definition of God is love. If If we had a biblical dictionary, when you look up up the word love, it should say God. That's the definition of love. God is love. We know how much God loves us, and we put our trust in his love. In a world when we can't trust love very much, we could put our trust in his love because God's way of loving is trustworthy. So we're going to study God's way of loving, and we're going to study if God has boundaries and how that works and how that looks, because it's trustworthy. Here it says it again, God is love. How many times does he have to say it? And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. The point of studying this is for our love to grow more perfect. The closer we get to God, the more we know him, the more perfect our love is. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. So many people are not confident. And the reason they're not confident is because they don't understand God's love and they don't know how to operate in God's love. And so they, they never have a healthy place with God. Such love has no fear. How many people have fear when it comes to love? We're going to talk about a perfect love that, that removes fear. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. This verse is pretty amazing, right? Okay, so God has very high standards for love. Um, And we're going to see how high of standards. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and the angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So what's it saying? Nothing matters. Doesn't matter all the good things you do. Nothing matters if you don't have love. I would gain that love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. And I think, does God really know about PMS? Do we get like a little, (laughs) or even worse, menopause? I mean, (laughs) way worse. Okay. And it keeps no record of being wronged. That's a big one, especially for us ladies, right? We do keep those records. It does not rejoice about injustice, rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It always is hopeful. Endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. So you read this and you're like, this is amazing. And we all want to be loved like this. And I think we all want to love that way, but I think we're scared to death too because we end up like roadkill. See, this is why I'm so this is why I do this this series every other year. Because for decades I live like roadkill. Um, And I didn't know, I wanted to love the way God loved, and I didn't understand God's boundaries. And so I tried to love like this, and it was a mess. And I was exhausted and disillusioned and worn out and heartbroken. And, uh, and, and, And I wasn't helping people either. So I was getting something wrong. And that's when I started to learn about boundaries. So what are boundaries? Um... A boundary is saying, I'm in control of my own behavior. There's some stuff I want to read. And if you choose to behave in a particular way, then I will choose to respond in a particular way. I'm in control of me. You're going to do what you choose to do. I will react accordingly. So it says, if you do this, I will do that. It is a parameter. A boundary is not controlling others. A boundary is being in control of yourself. See, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A boundary is controlling yourself. And that leads to love, joy, peace, all these things. It's self-control. A boundary is what you say yes to or what you say no to. And what we say yes to is what shapes our lives. I mean, what you say no to shapes your lives. A boundary shapes your life because it is the yeses and the noes of your life. And whatever you choose, you choose. It's your self-control. Whatever you choose to say yes to, what you choose to say no to, that's what creates the parameter of your life. Very important. It's a basic. Uh, But it's hard to get it right. If God is love and God has perfect love and God tells us to love this way, how does this, how does this look? What do God's, you know, if God is love, that means God must have boundaries. Or if he doesn't have boundaries, then we're not supposed to have boundaries. Whatever it looks like for God is what it should look like for us. So does God have boundaries? And if so, what do they look like? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever said, I'm a godly woman, I'm a godly man, I want to love like God. So here's the list, but what do, what do his boundaries look like? Does he have them? So here we go. The first scripture he's going to talk about, he's going to introduce love. And what's he going to say? Love is to be sincere and active, the real thing, without guile and hypocrisy. Hate what is evil, detest all ungodliness, do not tolerate wickedness, cling to what is good. One sentence. Love is to be sincere, hate what is evil. Love and hate. That's the boundary. He tells you what to love. He tells you what to hate. And you cannot love without hate. Hate what is evil. Don't tolerate wickedness. Cling to what is good. So God talks about love and hate at the same time, in the same sentence, in the same breath. That's how he's defining it. Do we understand this? Is this something we ever think about? Hating evil is a boundary that God draws around love. Now, when you go to think about love, do you ever think about hating evil? Probably not. Right? And so that's why when we go to love, there's a a mess, a train wreck, because we don't have balance. You guys know, anybody who's listened to me teach, I say so many times that they have made bumper stickers. I just found them again last night. The devil's in the ditches. The devil's in one extreme or the other. If he could get you in either ditch, he's, he's happy. If he can either if he can get you in one extremity or the other, he's one. So here is the he's trying to counter here. Love what is good, hate what is evil. That's how you have sincere love. That's kind of a boundary. Here's another boundary. This mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People, so it's talking about people, will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, right? We're in control of ourselves. Brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. There's a boundary. Boundary. So when we go loving... Sometimes we get a really, really sick situation, and we think we're being godly because we don't understand godly boundaries. We don't even realize he has boundaries. Look at this. Um, and, and so, you know, so here's the ditches, right? And this is where we have to try to figure it out. You say, okay, yeah, but doesn't the Bible say turn the other cheek? Yes, it does. Matthew 5, 38, turn the other cheek. It does. How does that play into this? There's a scripture that I stand on a lot. Good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger, and it is his honor and glory to overlook an offense. (sighs) Okay, so we're supposed to overlook an offense. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. We're supposed to have nothing to do with them. We're supposed to hate what's evil. This is why it's confusing. And you got you have to know the whole gospel of Christ. You can't just know parts. You have to know the whole thing, because otherwise you're in a ditch. And if you're in a ditch, you're making a mess of your life, of other people's life. And Satan's perfectly happy. He doesn't care where you are. He doesn't care where you land. Um. So how do we how do we rightly discern this? Hmm. How we rightly discern this. And this is a real, uh, seriously, this is a light bulb moment. A godly boundary. Okay. Point number one. We are not to base boundaries on personal offense. Our society is offended about everything. It's vomitatious. It's disgusting. Offended about everything. That is not a godly boundary. You don't see that. That's why we turn the other cheek. That's why we glory in overlooking an offense, because that's not where you draw boundaries if you're trying to do it in a godly way. But point number two is that we are to draw boundaries against what God tells us in his word is sin and evil. See, the first boundary that he drew was hate what is evil have nothing to do with these ungodly behaviors and these people who persist in them so have nothing see here's the thing an uh, ungodly a, a godly boundary is a boundary against sin sin is a word we don't have you heard sin in the, in a church in a long time it is a fundamental of scripture there is a reason we got a big hot mess A big hot mess. Sin is used four hundred and fifteen times in the scriptures, and of course, there's all kinds of translations. It's probably used more. It is used all the time. Why are we dodging one of the fundamentals? Listen, without sin, why would Jesus go to the cross? Why are we pretending this isn't real? Why do we ignore this? Sin is powerful, and when we ignore it, it gains power. What terrorist, when you ignore it, just goes away. They grow and grow and grow. That like you, don't, you don't get victory over this by ignoring it. Why are we ignoring this? That's a boundary. But how do we even know to draw a boundary with sin when we don't even use the word? <laughs> right? Okay. So boundaries are based on the word of God. Our boundaries should be to stand against evil and not our own personal offense. Fear should not determine your boundaries. You guys have heard me say it a million times. I did not give you, Jesus said, I did not give you the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. When fear determines our boundaries, we lose soundness of mind, we lose love. Fear is not the reason we set a boundary. And you know what? We got a lot of people setting a lot of crazy boundaries over this COVID thing. Fear is setting those boundaries. Not, Not God, okay? A desire to please people is not why we set a boundary. We do not determine boundaries based on other people's opinions. That isn't even any longer a boundary. The Bible is our compass for setting boundaries. It's the only compass. There is no other compass, not ourselves, not how we feel, not how others feel. Those things change and are misleading and, and make a mess of our lives. The Bible is how we determine our boundaries. The word of God says, well, first of all, the world says, my feelings are truth. What I think and feel is true because I think it and I feel it. The Bible, the word of God says, only my word is true. And it says that the truth will set you free. How many people are bound in really messed up situations? Listen, the divorce rate in the church is as bad as the world. The church is no different. You know, the 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 stuff that goes on, the molestation, the perversion, the the abuse, the child abuse, all that stuff's going on. It does because we're not even, we're it, okay, I'm not even going down that. But anyway, <laughs> I was about to go down a rabbit trail. I ran myself in. Okay. But we do not base our our feelings on per, our, our our boundaries on personal uh, opinion. It's got to be based on truth. And when you base your boundaries on truth, they're powerful. They work, and they empower yourself, others, and your purposes for God. Um. So there's a scripture that I just think um. Is very telling. It's talking about Satan here, which is another thing you never hear about. I mean, so so Satan can get us to ignore sin. Satan, demons, have they not won already? We're not even fighting them. We're not even addressing them. They are real. They are all over scripture. We need to understand the truth of the scripture so we can be victorious as, we're, as Jesus died to make us. But anyway, Satan will use very every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction. He's going to fool you. Because no one goes to destruction on purpose. Not one human being goes to destruction on purpose. They have to be fooled into it because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. The truth will save us every time. If we will unwavering stand on the true north of the word of God, it will save us. But it says, so God will cause them to greatly be deceived and they will believe these lies. Wait, who causes them to be greatly deceived? God. He's offended that we would reject his word, throw it away as if our opinion trumps the creator. So he says, you want to, you want to believe I will give you the truth. I will die to give you the truth. But if you reject it, I will honor your choice. See, this is a boundary. God says, I'll let you make that choice. So you will do that. And I will do this." I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to force you. But if you choose this path, then I will allow deception to come in. I let you. It says they will be greatly deceived and they will believe lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. See, God's boundary is I will give you the truth. You have to receive it. It's up to you. That's a boundary, which, by the way, is a good way we're going to get into others. But can you see if you understand godly boundaries, it helps you to understand people boundaries? How does God do it? It's not that there's no consequence. And it's not that it doesn't matter. But he will give us everything. He will give us everything. But then it's up to us whether we receive it or not. Whether, whether we will be, choose deceive deceiving lies because, well, why would we choose a deceiving lie? Because I don't like that truth. It's not what my mama, my daddy, my cousin, my best friend, my sister, my brother. I can't tell you how many people have come into this house, sat on this couch and told me they don't like what I teach because of mommy, daddy, brother, sister, son, daughter. And I'm like, well, so my opinions are irrelevant. I'm not even telling you my opinions. I don't even, you guys know I use constant scripture. I use tons of scripture because who cares about my opinion? I don't even care about my own opinion. And by the way, tomorrow night it'll be different than it is this morning based on what chocolate and coffee and a glass of wine I've had. So, like, this is not... (laughs) All that matters is the word. So, you don't like it? Well, then you've got to take that up with the Messiah. Because I'm not the Messiah. But I do know this word. I know it inside and out. It is my priority. That's what matters. So... Uh, you know, if you don't like it, that's okay. That's, then God will allow you to be, it's not okay. I hate it. I hate it. Because God will allow you to be deceived and you will believe a lie and it will lead to destruction. And that breaks my heart because I love people so much. And I always think to myself, I love people so much. How does God feel? I mean, I've had people come in here and be so upset with me and they leave and I'm just heartbroken because I'm like, they're going to leave with that. And they're going to choose that, and they're going to stay stuck in that. I mean, God will always set them free if they, if they ask. But it's like this. When we, when we hear the truth of God, and we say, no, I don't like that. I don't feel that way. I don't feel that way. I have a good heart, but I don't feel that way. That's like saying, I have a good heart, but I don't believe in the traffic laws. So with my good heart, I'm going to drive the wrong way on a one way, and, you know, the crash that comes it's not my heart my fault because I don't feel in my heart that those traffic laws are real (laughs) it's like saying the law of gravity it's a law the traffic laws the law of gravity these are laws and the the Word of God is the law of the Creator so you want to say I don't believe in the law of gravity okay so I'm gonna fly and you're gonna jump and you're gonna splat but I jumped with a really good heart. And I believe so much that, you know, it just doesn't, it's crazy. These are laws. These are God's laws. And we wreck, we shipwreck our lives when we don't know them and understand them. See, the word of God is absolute truth, and personal opinion is not absolute truth, and it does not reign supreme. But so many Christians don't know that because. Do you know that only nine percent of Christians in the world read their Bible every day? So So if you don't read your Bible, then you don't know the truth. And if you don't know the truth, then there's no true North, and if there's no true North, then what has to reign supreme is how you feel, what you think. Except for that is not truth. That is not truth. What we think and feel is not truth. It's not our truth. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. That's a bunch of psychobabble. There's only one truth. And if you don't read the Bible, you don't know what it is. We have to, see, the truth protects us. The true north, the God's boundaries, they protect us, and we we need to honor God so much and trust His love so much that we trust his word if you don't know his love it's going to be very hard for you to trust his word. H- have you ever really trusted someone that you didn't know didn't love you i mean i i I did have a relationship with God for I had a revelation of god's love for me, which is a whole other sermon but um it was profound Reagan was Two or three. So I was, you know, an adult, a mother, driving down the road, and I got a a revelation of God's love for me. I sobbed so much I had to pull over. She was the last K3er left at the place. You know, I was like, I couldn't drive. I I was wrecked. And my life has changed forever. I was that kind of love changes you. And then you trust it. And when you know people love you, you trust them. Our children trust us because they know we love them and we have their best interest. So we, but so we need to, we need to trust God enough to fear walking against His ways. Here's a scripture: Blessed, favored by God, is a man who fears sin and its consequences. We should be afraid of those consequences. We should be afraid. Why do we not drive down one-way streets, even if it's inconvenient to go around? Because we're afraid of the consequence. We should be afraid of the consequences of sin at all times. But this is the hard part. But he who hardens his heart and is determined to sin will fall into disaster. Uh, God's boundary. There's a boundary. He's like, okay, I'm offering you. But if you don't, then you, Those there are consequences to choices. God allows us to enjoy the consequences of our choices, for good or, the, or for bad. <clears throat> so, The very first step in understanding our boundaries is understanding God's boundaries. Are you starting to see how understanding how he works helps us understand how we should work? So here's a really important scripture. What sorrow for those who drag their sin behind them with ropes made of lies. So why do we have, why are we stuck in stuff? Because we're believing lies. We believe lies, and, it, and it's ropes. Think of it. We're in chains. It's, it's, it's a sorrow who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you could do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. We live in these times. And And you know what, by the way, those who are saying it try to make us think that it's sorrow for us. No, it's not. This is eternal sorrow and sorrow on this earth often too. The dark is light, and light is dark, the bitter is sweet, and the sweet is bitter. What's sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes? Oh, what I think, what I feel, that's the gospel. That's what that means. wise in your own eyes. What you think, what you feel, trumps the gospel. What's sorrow for those? They think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. Therefore, just as a fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither, for they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. I mean, that's a powerful name, just the Lord of heaven's armies. You're going to reject his law? We don't even reject the one-way traffic signs. We're going to reject the law of the Lord of Heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That's why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he raises his fists to crush them. This is serious. And you know what? You know what makes me so heartbroken? I go to these churches, people don't know. They're not talking about this. They're not warning people. People think that because they put their butt in a pew on a Sunday morning, they're fine. And look at this. It's a lie. That's a lie. And look at how vital this is. Look what happens. But listen, we can't just, so this is back to boundaries. Shame on those pastors, but we have the word of God. You know, we're not living in North Korea where we don't have Scripture. We have Scripture all day long. So it's up to us. See, churches have painted God as boundaryless. God has no boundaries. Think about it. There's no consequence. There's no sin. There's no war between good and evil. And if God doesn't have boundaries, and if there's no sin, then who are you to have boundaries? How dare you? See, that's the attitude now. You have boundaries against sin. How dare you? Because if God has no boundaries, then we can't have boundaries. So it all goes back to God. This is where you start when it comes to boundaries. The lack of God having boundaries is the delusion, the satanic delusion that we just read about. That is a delusion. And if you believe that lie, it will lead to your own destruction. Grace and mercy have been abused. I'm going to talk about that more. Misrepresented. And this isn't a new thing. Jude, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother, not full brother, um, but Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote about this thousands of years ago. So this is not a new trick from Satan. This has been going on for a long time. Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Come on, thousands of years ago. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ. When you say that immorality is allowed by God and God has no moral boundaries, then you are blaspheming against Jesus. So I want to remind you, he says, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroys those who did not remain faithful. He rescued them, but he has boundaries. So he rescued them. His heart is to rescue us. But when they insisted upon doing, they sacrificed their children to idols. They did horrific things. And so, you know, God's not, God's not a miser up there. But they insisted on great evil, and you know what he did? He rescued him. but because they insisted on that great evil, what did he do? But later he destroyed those who didn't remain faithful. Not everybody. The ones who didn't remain faithful. God is good to those who remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels, even the angels, who did not stay within the limits of authority. That's a parameter. That's a boundary. Limits of authority is a parameter or boundary. So God gave the angels boundaries, God gave them, but he left the place where they, they left the place where they belonged. They crossed the boundary. God has kept them securely in chains of prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. That is demons that we don't ever talk about. We pretend like they don't exist, and they're warring against us all the time. But it says that they, but, but many of them are, ch- are chained, and don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah, and they, their neighboring towns are filled with immorality. If our nation isn't filled with immorality, I don't know what is which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversions, those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. America? But, but see, we don't know this because there's no sin. There's no boundary. There's no whatever. Okay, I'm not done with this. Hold on. But these people, say it, still in Jude, but these people scoff at things they don't understand. So when we try to have godly moral boundaries, what happens? We're scoffed at. Scoffed at. They are scoffed at. Like unthinking animals. Well, there's a boundary. This is the word of God. Do they do what their instincts tell them? What do you mean? They do what they think is right? How they feel? They put their feelings as the, as the true north, as the word of God? They, their instincts? They do what their instincts tell them. And so they bring about their own destruction. And once again, we see cause and effect, cause and effect. Do what you think is right to you. The effect is destruction. What sorrow awaits them. For they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, these are all Old Testament characters, which I don't want to get off and telling you stories about, but. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perished in their rebellion. But what he's saying is this stuff has happened for thousands of years, and it had the same consequences then as it has now. See, he was talking about something a couple thousand years back. Now we're reading it, and it's a couple thousand years forward. And whether it's 2,000 years back when we're reading it or 4,000 years back when he was writing it, consequence is the same. Human nature is the same. People are doing what they think they want to do, what's best to them. And the consequence is like it is, it's, well, let's keep reading. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorate the Lord's love. Here we go. They're there to commemorate God's love. What are they going to do? They're going to manipulate it. What's it say? They're commemorating the Lord's love. They are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you you believe their lives, it will shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. And listen, he's not done. He just keeps going. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They're like trees in autumn that are doubly dead for they are, they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. They are like waves of the sea churning up the foam of the shameless deeds. They're like wandering stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. He was just trying to think of anything you could think of. To say they are as bad as I can think of anything. I can, The worst things I can think of, that's what they are. When you believe they're lies, that's what you're believing in. Here's the response. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. Hate, there you have hate again. I will have nothing to do with them. There you have nothing to do with them again. I will reject perverse ideas. Reject perverse ideas? I thought we were accepting everything these days. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. You mean my boundary doesn't mean I'm supposed to welcome it all in? That's what godly love looks like? I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. Boundary, 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 boundary. It's all sealed up here. Here's some more. God detests the prayers of a person who ignores the law. There's a boundary for you. When have you heard that in church lately? They're not telling us the truth. People are dying. People are showing up in church looking for truth, looking for power. Their their lives stay stuck. They have no power. They have no freedom. They have no blessing, and they don't know why. So we're going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. This is, you know, I've said this so many times. This is why I do this. I'm just a housewife. I'm just a mom. But I was so sucked alive by lies. I didn't know were lies. And I said, Jesus came to me in the most powerful way. And I said, okay, you set me free. I'll never be quiet. Whoever will listen, I'm going to tell the truth. And then maybe nobody will. And then I won't be responsible. And then I can, you know, watch, binge watch TV. But, Meanwhile, I'm gonna do this until you guys, people, so stop showing up and I can binge bin watch something. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, I guess you on private trail. You have spurned and turned your back on all those who wander astray from your statues. What? God turns his back? Yes. He says, This is my word, honor it. This is my boundary. See, we are to turn our backs. When people, in in a very unholy way, cross unholy boundaries, people stay in abuse and horrible things because they think they're being godly. Well, that's not, for their own lying deceives them and their deceitfulness is useless. Again, it's a lie, believing a lie. You stay stuck. Such people claim they know God. We know this, right? They say they know God. It's not that they're saying they don't know God. They just make them up. But they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient. Worthless for doing everything good. Really strong language. It's just the word of God. I'm just showing you what's on the pages. It's in black and white. And you know what? People say all the time, this does not sound very loving to me. And this is not the loving God I know. And, of course, I say, yes, because you don't know him. Because I tell you what, the people who say that, they haven't read through the Bible. That's not somebody who has read the scriptures. I want to talk about love. And I want to talk about love, and I want to be so, I've never done this before. I, wrote, I stayed up, I think I slept like an hour and a half last night. Because I wanted to write this out. And I've never written something out and read it. I want to write this out. What I have to say about love Because I wanted it to be so, I wanted every word to be truth, because this is power. Let us talk about Christian love for a moment. It has been defined and maintained by God over thousands of years. It has stood the test of great persecution, martyrdom, and fiery trials. The trials did not destroy or weaken Christian love. As a matter of fact, it strengthened it. The church started with everybody being martyred. That didn't kill it. It exploded. But if you take one look at the division and chaos in our country and our churches, it is obvious that Christian love has been diminished and it has lost its power. What is the cause, you ask? The lack of godly boundaries is what is destroying Christian love. Christian love may bear up under evil, but it does not bear up under the tolerance of evil. Tolerating evil is crossing an unholy boundary that results in the destruction of true Christian love. Tolerance of evil is mutually exclusive characteristic of Christian love. Tolerance of evil and true godly love cannot coexist. We've shown that in scripture over and over again. Christian love is not broad-minded about sin. As noted earlier in Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. And what does it say about sincere love? Sincere love must hate what is evil and cling to what is good. The parameters and protection of love is to hate what is evil. The opposite of godly love is to be broad-minded about what God calls evil. Real love involves real hatred. hating. Evil. You cannot have one without the other. Have we forgotten Jesus's physical display of moral indignation as he turned over money tables and drove extortionists from the house of God with a whip? Do we ignore that he, Jesus, is perfect love, giving his lives for us? And that in his perfect love, this is his physical reaction to unrepentant evil in his own house if we have lost this moral indignation for evil, then we have lost living in the fervent, lasting, and living love of truth. Jesus has made it clear that we are to love with the same righteous zeal and fervent love that demands that the boundaries of truth be observed. True love will not tolerate sinful lies and excuses. Perfect, real love Of the Almighty God does not mean live and let live. This is sloppy theology and psychobabble sentiment and it has creeped into the house of God. It is a doctrine of the demonic that goes against the principles of the Holy Scriptures. It's called the Holy Bible because holiness is a boundary against sin and evil. How clever for the enemy of righteousness to convince the soldiers of God to lay down their spiritual weapon against evil, which can defeat evil, based on false belief system that being a loving Christian means being a wimp against evil. How blasphemous to conclude that the God of love, who died for love's sake and rose again for love's sake, and is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us as I speak for love's sake, wrote a book of boundaries, morals, and standards to be disregarded in the very name of his love. To say that God's love, mercy, and grace means we no longer stand for righteousness or demand holiness of ourselves, our houses of worship, our government, or others is a sin against God a sin against ourselves and a sin against others. We are falsely told that grace and mercy in these modern times now means there's no longer a godly standard or a moral code. Apparently, the grace and mercy of God no longer means that with repentance, a sinner can find forgiveness and redemption. But rather, we are told from the pulpits in houses of worship and in schools, and through our politicians, that God's grace and God's mercy has been redefined. It now means that we are to bow to perversion and every type of demonic principle that allows evil to have free reign in our families, our schools, our universities, our political policies, movies, music, and even our churches. This theology is demonic. In this time of great moral confusion when what is wrong is called right, and what is right is called wrong. Let us not stand in agreement with every wolf in sheep's clothing, demanding our loyalty to their false doctrine of destruction. If you doubt it's a demonic doctrine, just look at the fruit, because the Bible says you'll know something by its fruit. The fruit of destruction is sweeping the moral fabric of our nation. Let us rise up with courage to say we will submit to one truth, the only truth, the precious truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings life, liberty, and freedom to a nation, a society, a family. These manipulators of the truth of the gospel have told us that the ultimate sin is to be labeled by them, as intolerant they demand that we be tolerant of their erroneous made-up false gospel they have made up a false God without boundaries and they have made up a false gospel that has no standard of holiness evil preaches tolerance until it becomes dominant and then it is utterly intolerant, and seeks to silence what is godly. This is the power of the cancel culture, and we have participated because we came to a false conclusion that God no longer had boundaries. May we not fear being mocked by the wicked. A phobia of being falsely labeled as intolerant, and it's a false label, has created such a frenzy of fear that the righteous lay down their authority over evil in exchange for their, their tolerance approval ratings. May our only fear be that we would cheapen the gospel. Sorry, it's emotional. <clears throat> that we would cheapen the gospel. Jesus died for this by giving its power away to water down lukewarm teachings that deny the moral authority of the Almighty and the Creator and therefore denying its power. As previously read in 2 Timothy 3.5, God's clearly defined boundaries state that we are to have nothing to do with those who deny the power of gospel, not for the sake of tolerance, or any other false doctrine that Satan can dream up to get us to lay our spiritual weapons down so that his chaotic, demonic agenda can run unchecked and without spiritual opposition. Have nothing to do with those who deny the power of the gospel. We should not be sitting in their houses of worship or voting for them or watching on TV or have anything to do with them. And that is God's boundary of love written in black and white. I just wanted every word of that to be perfect. I don't normally read. But that is truth. And this is what it says. If anyone comes to your meeting and does not to teach the truth about Christ, don't invite that person into your home or give any kind of encouragement. Anyone who encourages such people becomes partner in their evil work. We want to sit idly by We are now partners with evil. We are no longer partners with Christ. We are now partners with evil. People are being deceived by a false word of mercy. God forgives sinners only upon repentance. With repentance, there is forgiveness. But God's boundary requires repentance for redemption and forgiveness here's a scripture. Israel treated it all so lightly. Isn't that what we're doing in America? We're treating it all so lightly. She thought, personifying Israel, nothing of committing adultery by worshiping idols made of wood and stone. And you know what? We have idols today. Real idols are coming in. We're having more Buddhas, more Hindu gods. more. So we're, we're starting to actually worship idols again in this nation, which did not happen for hundreds of years. But even, even if not, we worship all kinds of things in front of so anything, anything you put in front of God. So now the land has been polluted. It pollutes our land. This sin pollutes our whole nation. Mm-hmm. But despite all her faithlessness, faithless, she has never sincerely returned to me. She has only pretended to be sorry. When we pretend to be sorry, do we really think we can fool God? We think we can manipulate Him. We think we're pulling one over on Him. He said, "You're only pretending. That's not real repentance. I want real repentance. I, the Lord, have spoken. See, He is the authority." Therefore, go and give this message to Israel. This is what the Lord said. O Israel, my faithless people, come home to me again, for I am merciful. I will not be angry with you forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. See, repentance is required. This is another thing we do. We spew forgiveness all over the place without forgiveness. I mean, without repentance. God doesn't. He's like, I long for you, but I'm not going to give into that, right? And you're going to have to do your part first. I have a boundary, God says. I have a you to reconciliation. Um, I am merciful. I will love you. and with you forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. Admit that you rebelled against the Lord your God and committed adultery against him by worshiping idols under every green tree. Confess that you refuse to listen to my voice. I, the Lord, have spoken. Return home, you wayward children, says the Lord, for I am your master. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. One from this town and two from that family. For wherever you are scattered, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you into knowledge and understanding. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the deceivers away from you if you'll really repent. I'll send you truth. I'll send you real shepherds. They will no longer stubbornly follow their own evil desires, what I think is truth. They'll no longer do that. I thought to myself, this is God talking, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land. Mm -hmm. The finest possession in the world. All He wants to do is bless us with every good thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I look forward for your calling me father. Think about how excited we get when we have a child. We're so excited to just hear them call us mother and father. That's how he feels about us. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you never to turn from me. But you have been unfaithful to me. But I have boundaries, he says. As much as I want for that, I have boundaries. You people of Israel. You've been like a faithless wife who leaves her husband. I, the Lord, have spoken. Voices are heard high on the, the mountains, the weeping, the pleading of Israel's people. For they have chosen crooked paths and have forgotten the Lord their God. My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me. Now, interestingly, they have to come back to him. They have to come back to him. And I will heal your wayward ways. See, God says, my boundary. you do this, then I'll do that. Yes, we're coming, the people replied. For you are the Lord our God. Our worship of idols in the hills, our religious orgies on the mountains are a delusion. What is it? A lie, a delusion. Mm -hmm. Here you go again. Only in the Lord our God, the true north, will we ever find salvation. From childhood, we would watch as everything our ancestors worked for, their flocks and herds, their sons and daughters, was squandered on a what? Delusion. A lie. The lie. Let us now lie down in shape and cover ourselves with this honor. For we and our ancestors have sinned against the Lord of God from our childhood to this day. See, no more lying. No more pretending. They owned it. You know, when you have somebody who's still making excuses, that's not repentance. They just owned it all. No excuse. No nothing. We did it. We own it. We're sorry. And the next chapter, that's the end of this chapter, the next chapter the Lord is bringing healing and redemption because of course that's who God is. We all know that's who God is. We all know that. But, but repentance is God's boundary line for us. And it just says, this is the line. I won't cross it. You are going to have to come to the side of right and light. I am not going to the side of dark and evil. You have to come to the light. Uh, and he, he demands that we honor that. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. Here it is. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: See, people are talking to God and they're like, he doesn't help, he doesn't hear Yeah, because you haven't gotten real with him. You haven't gotten honest. You haven't made it right. You haven't repented. He doesn't listen. Mm -hmm. His boundary. He says, you're going to have to come over here and say, I've been doing this wrong and I'm going to do it right. He paid attention, but see, because he repented, then God, I said, God, listen, and He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God, He did not ignore my prayer. withdraw His unfailing love for me. That's just who God is. He's so forgiving; it's His nature. That's why we've come to abuse it so much.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, there's a there's a couple lies about this particular topic. One lie that I see a lot of people get stuck in is that this sin that I've committed is just too great. Mm-hmm. I've spent a lot of time helping people who think that their sin. Is so bad that there's no way God can forgive them, and that cheapens the blood. How can your sin be more powerful than the blood of Jesus? Is that how can your sin be more powerful than Christ? That cheapens the blood. Of course, it's forgiven. Of course, his sin is powerful enough to wash it away as upon true repentance. I, I mean that he, you know, we look at the woman caught in adultery, and what did he say to her? He said, you know, did, where did they all go?" They all left. Well, okay, neither do I con- condemn you, but go and sin no more. It's a change, a lifestyle change. Uh, the tax collector, I don't know if you guys know this parable, but there's not a parable, a true story. Jesus is standing at the temple. The, 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 um, we would call him the priest, the Pharisee, was standing there saying, I'm so holy, I'm so this, I'm so that, I'm so perfect, blah, blah, blah. And the tax collector is beating his chest saying, I have really sinned. Because back then, they all stole from everybody. The tax collectors were horrible. They were abusive, and they stole, and they were terrible. They were the worst and worst. And Jesus said, only the tax collector went home redeemed. The guy who thought he was so great, Jesus was like, I don't have anything to do with that. But the tax collector who beat because, his tax. Because why? Because the size of the sin is not a concern to Christ. It's under the blood. His blood is so powerful. If you have genuinely repented, if you are carrying that thing around, you are denying the power of Christ. But what does matter is the matter of the heart. Is the heart truly repentant? See, the boundary line of God is true repentance. Not the size of the sin. But you know what? Satan gets us all wound up about the size of the sin. Instead of true repentance, that would be say stuff. He's like you're trying to get towards God, so I know a way to stop you. Let's have you focus on how big and bad your sin is and not on a tr- heart of true repentance, which actually matters to the Messiah. Yes. For this unfailing, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender Compassionate to those who fear him. There's a boundary, not indiscriminately, to those who fear him. But the love of the Lord remains forever. Again, a boundary for those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. When we confess our sins and make it right, that's what we redeem. Future generations, not just us. Generations and generations and generations of those, here's a boundary, who are faithful to his covenant, another boundary to those who obey his commands. Not everybody.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not everybody. Here's the second line. There is no boundary cross, which is another name for sin, a sin committed that is so small that it can be overcome and cleansed without repentance. Mm-hmm. See, we're like, well, it was a small sin, so no big deal. No, that's the right? between you and God. There is no sin. It's just mm-hmm. no small sin. It's a sin. <laughs> I can't tell you. I've had I've had I've had all kinds of amazing people that have had the proof. I love I love working through this with people. I've had a lot of people come to me and be so torn up because they've sinned so badly, and I've had a lot of other people torn up and say come to me and say I just I've been a really good person. I think I'm good. I'm like okay. Well, you've never committed a sin. Only only really little ones. Yeah, well. There is no sin so small that it doesn't require repentance mm. to be forgiven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Here, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. God is merciful. But it's on his terms. It's his boundaries. <clears throat> Holiness is a boundary line. Do you guys know that in heaven, if you've ever heard my angel certainly which I might do, it's been a couple years, but... In heaven, the angels surround the throne of God, and they say, they never stop. Never stop. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Mm Lord. Of all the words in the language of the world, Mm -hmm. there's only one word they say. Only one. Why do they say this? Holy, Mm -hmm. holy, holy. It's a powerful word. Mm -hmm. You know what it is? It's a boundary against evil says, I do not participate with evil. This is holy. That is evil. There is no evil here. That's a boundary. Holiness is a boundary that is surrounding God, but holiness is a boundary to us. When we walk in holiness, it's a protection, our protection from evil, just like it's a protection from God from evil. Holiness protects us. It's a boundary. So Painting God as a God with no orders, no boundaries, gives lawlessness power. And lawlessness is a demonic agenda, and it opposes the, the holy, holy boundaries of God. And lawlessness is happening everywhere in our nation. Mm-hmm. Defund police, 100% demonic, straight from the pit of hell.
1: Mm-hmm. Lawlessness,
0: it promotes lawlessness. Yes. It's evil. Anything, all these, you know, genders blending together. because You know what? Anything that doesn't allow boundaries is lawlessness. It's lawlessness. That's a boundary. That's a girl. That's a boy. It's lawlessness. Let me read this to you. Let me show you the demonic agenda. Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you. Again, deception. For that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That's a great rebellion. The abandonment of the faith by the professed Christians. And the man of what? Lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction, the Antichrist. So what's the the theory of, of the Antichrist? Lawlessness. Who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and instantly above God. See, that's what we are doing when we say, it's what I think, it's what I feel, above what God says. We are placing ourselves above God. That's not what God says. So that, that's a, that is a principle of the Antichrist, which is lawlessness, which is demonic. So that he actually enters and takes the seat of the temple of God, publicly proclaiming that he himself is God, which is the temple will be rebuilt and he'll... Go in there and claim himself to be God. But do you not remember when I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him from now being revealed? It is so that he will be revealed as a point of time. He can't do anything until God lets him. But but his principles are abounding all over the world. For the mystery of lawlessness, rebellion against divine authority, that's rebellion against the word of God. That's saying... My my feelings and my whatever is above God. It's rebellion against the divine authority. A coming reign of lawlessness. It's already at work. Don't you see it? It's already at work, but it is restrained only until who? Until it's it taken out of the way. Then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth. Gone, and bring him to an end. By the appearance of this coming. The coming of the Antichrist, the lawless one, is through the activity of Satan. Demonic, satanic principles and theories. With great power, all kinds of counterfeit miracles, deceptive signs, false wonders, all of them lies. All of it lies. And it's up to us what we're going to believe, what we're not going to believe. But what we come to the end of, God has... Healthy boundaries, real boundaries. He's healthy. And we model, this is the foundation of this series because we model. If we don't know that God has boundaries, then we don't have them. Mm -hmm. If we understand that this is where I stand and this is who I am and this is where I'm going to be and you're going to do, and that, then there's, I respond to that in my, you know. Then we never do. We never draw. We never draw boundaries, and then evil runs amok, and that's what's happening mm. everywhere. So I want to pray right now, and I just want to bring this before God because this is the foundation—not just for healthy boundaries with others, but for community, for family, for understanding who God is, but having an honest understanding of God, not a made-up version, not a deceitful version. So, Lord Jesus, we just come into your presence. We are sorry. We have been in agreement with lies. That is, that, is that is a blasphemy against your work. We have put what we think and feel above the truth of the gospel. We have dishonored your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have revealed the truth. Mm -hmm. Let it grow. Let it spread. It is the foundation of the power of Christ. Teach us to have Godly boundaries. Us to first and foremost respect your boundaries, your truth. It's the only truth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just pray, Jesus, that as we confess this and make it right with you, that the power of the Spirit of God fall on us. Mm-hmm. Restore your power to us as you restored the Israelites who confessed their sins to you. It's your nature. It's who you are. You are forgiving. Redeem us, God. Redeem the power you intended us to have as the children of God. Pour your power into our lives, God. We were created to overcome evil, God. Forgive us for submitting to it in the name of tolerance. Jesus, we know the truth now. We will overcome. Because we will stand on the truth of the gospel of Christ and it is power, and it is life. Thank you that you give us power and life. You do not leave us here as victims. You don't leave us here weak. You don't leave us here abused and crumbled. You leave us here as overcomers. You say we will do what Jesus has done is greater. You created us for greatness, and we want to live in it. Holy Spirit, I pray you fall on this room, Holy Spirit, Fall on your children, Holy Spirit. Bless them with the power of Christ in everyday life, in big and small. I seal them by the blood of the living Lamb. Thank you that our sins are washed away, and where we have gotten this wrong and been deluded and believed lies, Lord, we have repented, and you have freed us from that. And we will walk in truth and it will set our lives free to be powerful. We're getting out of the corner where we are shriveled up, scared. Lord God, we stand in the authority of the soldiers of Christ. And we will overcome evil and evil will flee. Thank you, God, that it fears us now that we know. It fears us. Let us walk in that, God. Let us never fear it again. Let us never kowtow to it again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.